0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The Big Picture Questions and the Most Interesting Research in Science.
1: Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science. And as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside
3: the box of oddities. We are quickly approaching our 500th episode. Yes, which is remarkable.
2: It is.
3: And throughout the years we have uh, we've dealt with many many topics and several different holiday related themes.
2: Yeah, I was so concerned that you were going to be talking about our 500th episode and I was like, "Dude, I can I I can only focus on the holidays right now. <laughs> Don't do this to me. What are you doing?" And okay, so all right yes holidays we've talked about some weird stuff
3: and we thought we'd uh we'd relive a few of those moments now i touched on this lightly in a recent episode but did a deeper dive on this topic uh two three years ago and that is santa claus's skeleton
2: what a wonderful time of year to bring this gem back
3: it's uh, it is of course days away from uh, Christmas, mm. and um, I have an appropriate story.
2: You have a holiday themed story. Yes, I'm very excited about this.
3: It has to do with the skeletal remains of Santa Claus.
2: Okay, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Okay, okay.
3: all right. Well, let me clarify. Santa Claus, of course, is based on Saint Nicholas, yeah, a real person. Sure. St. Nicholas was a bishop who lived and died in what is now Turkey in the first half of the fourth century. Uh, he, was, uh, he was born very wealthy, he was a very generous man, and uh, he enjoyed giving people gifts.
2: Sure, that makes a lot of sense.
3: There's uh, a few stories about that. There was one story where uh, there was a, a widow who lived with her, her children in a house, like a poor house at the time, and he went by in the middle of the night and left three little bags of gold coins on the windowsill for them.
2: And then uh, the next day, Elf's dad came by, and he took their books away, and she was all, but the children love the
3: books. (laughs) Another story in the legend is that uh, there was a house of ill repute in the the area, and uh, he would go by and throw gold coins in the window to uh, support the prostitution industry, I guess, at the time.
2: I mean, there are other ways to support it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
3: well, maybe he was just paying his bills.
2: (laughs) Maybe. Could be,
3: we don't know. Uh, But his legend went far beyond his generosity. Getting
2: his candy cane wet, you know what I
3: mean? (laughs) (laughs) There was a horrible situation in uh, the city where he lived at the time. Uh, A butcher had killed three children and carved them up and stored their remains in a vat of brine. And legend has it, that he raised the children from the dead. Oh, now I believe the whole gold coin in the in the hooker's window. Right, I, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the uh, the children being uh, raised from lumps of flesh that have been pickled a little hard for me to believe. Mm. Yet that's part of the legend.
2: Okay, I did not know that. That's really interesting.
3: His legend spread far and wide, uh, mostly because of semen. I Again, we're it. back to the house of ill repute. <laughs> no, no, sailors. Uh, that's what I meant by that. Oh. Um, they believed that St. Nicholas could keep them sa- safe on lengthy sea voyages. Uh, they'd often cry out his name in rough seas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a star, she's a brewing Jolly old St. Nick, save me. Arr. Like that, that's what they would do. Is that what it
2: would sound like? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, Well, maybe it was a little bit different, but but the legend was if they called out the name of St. Nicholas, the rough seas would disappear and they would turn smooth as glass. So it was sailors who started spreading the word of St Nicholas around. Sailors
2: have spread a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just yeah. saying, please mm-hmm. continue. Yep. Yeah. Um they started they were the ones responsible for spreading the word of the cult of St Nicholas around the world. Okay. People all over the world knew about St Nicholas at a, you know this was really you know like 1600 years ago.
2: Right. Um, Patron saint of sailors and hookers. Yep,
3: yeah, something like that. Within a very short time, less than 100 years, the bishop was worshipped as a saint. Mostly because of sailors, ports were named after St. Nicholas, islands, uh, inlets, probably thousands of babies um, (laughs) were named after St. Nick. Uh, Because of this, he became one of the best loved saints of all Christendom. So, how he became Santa Claus is a whole different thing because, you know, there's a bit of a leap there from St. Nicholas, right. a, an historic figure, historical figure, to Santa Claus who is, you know, a mythical icon. I mean, that's what some people say. Right. Historians believe probably it's owed to the December 6th Feast of St. Nicholas, that's what kind of placed St. Nicholas around what is now the Christmas or holiday season. Uh, St. Nicholas is a feast, the feast of St. Nicholas.
2: Bet a lot of those ladies thought he was. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs>
3: Now, we all think of Santa Claus as, uh, you know, a jolly old man wearing a big red suit. Where did the red suit come from? Probably from St. Nicholas's red bishop robes. Oh, okay. They interpreted that, changed it, and it became a, you know, a red suit with fur trim, apple bottom jeans. Now, what about the name Santa Claus? This is the part that I found. (laughs) Sorry.
2: I... I require artwork that shows Saint Nick in apple bottom jeans and boots maybe, with the fur. Yeah, maybe red jeans. You yeah, know, red denim is a thing. Um, and just like just a fat booty, mm-hmm. like popping up out of those jeans a little bit, <laughs> like super low rise, little boop right. boop, yeah. so you get a little boop boop out of the top.
3: All right, artist freaks, you've been given <laughs> your assignment from Cat. <laughs> us a picture of Santa wearing apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. <laughs> Anyway, Santa Claus, where did we get the name Santa Claus? This is this is really quite interesting. It's derived from how the Dutch immigrants of New Amsterdam pronounced his name, not Saint Nicholas, but Sinterklaas. Oh, Sinterklaas. Saint Nicholas, Sinterklaas.
2: Saint, Sint.
3: Sint-Turklaus Nicholas. That's how it sounded to them. So they would call him Sinterklaas. So it became Santa Claus. The legend of St. Nicholas is a powerful legend, as so was his corpse, by the way. Oh? Let's talk about the corpse of St. Nick. Yes, please. Now, we all know the story about the bodies of saints and martyrs in, uh, Christian, in Christian history. Since uh, its beginning, they've been very important to the religion the earliest churches were built on the tombs of saints right and pieces of their corpses referred to as religious relics were believed to hold a certain holy power and Mm -hmm. still do it was believed that using these religious relics would help you connect and possibly communicate with higher powers through them kind of like um, a uh, bone cell phone or something like
2: holding a a a shell up to your ear. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Um, and, yeah. Except it's like femur.
3: Yeah. Uh, they believe that, that the uh, holy relics would help <laughs> manifest the holy forces on earth. They could heal you, they could protect you, and of course, perform miracles. Sometimes the miracles of saints concerned their own bodies. Uh, we've heard stories about uh, saints whose corpses did not corrupt. Exactly. Uh, that they, they refused to decay, some dripped blood decades, even centuries after death, and some would ooze some kind of in inic- banjo. <laughs> and some would ooze some kind of inexplicable substance. Um, okay, that,
2: that's just called decomp. Well, and
3: yeah, but it's different because <laughs> it smelled like roses. This is what happened with jolly old St. Nick Oh, Santa's skeletal remains not too long after his death, a liquid started secreting from the bones. It was said that it smelled like roses and had the power to heal.
2: See, I would have thought like winter mint or something like that. <laughs> right.
3: This was taken as a Is this sign. Gingerbread? <laughs> that Nicholas. In his corpse was holy, and thousands of people began flocking to his tomb in the port city of Myra uh, in Turkey.
2: See, just because something smells good doesn't mean that it's holy. Like, gangrene smells like almonds, guys. That doesn't mean (laughs) that... You want
3: to rub it on your wounds. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Word quickly spread. And two other ports... were very jealous of Myra. They were getting all the attention because of uh, Saint Nicholas's Mm. body. So, so what they did was uh, there there became this great competition for holy relics at this time. In fact, there was even an underground black market relics trade.
2: Oh, geez, of course there was. Yeah, Uh,
3: merchants, even monks would sneak into the crypts of churches and steal, steal them some holy bones. (laughs) Surprisingly, this was not considered a sin. No? No, because they believe, like like a lot like uh, King Arthur's sword in the stone, relics could only be removed by the right person. So if they were able to steal the (laughs) relics, they were meant to steal the
2: relics. That is a wonderful way to get away with crimes. To be like, (laughs) no, because if the universe didn't want me to have stolen it, it wouldn't have let me. So this is what happened. supposed to have your riding lawnmower.
3: (laughs) This is what happened to jolly old Saint Nick. A group of merchants and sailors from Bari uh, raided the city and ultimately the tomb. Apparently they wanted to compete with the Venetians who had just finished stealing the bones of St. Mark.
2: Mm, The patron Uh, saint of blinds?
3: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) They smuggled his bones. This is what they did with St. Mark. They smuggled his bones out in a basket of pork from Alexandria in the year 827. The Barians had heard that Myra had uh, fallen to the Turks, and that left St. Nicholas's tomb unguarded. So they... Had heard that Myra had fallen to the Turks, and it, that had left uh, Saint Nicholas's tomb unguarded, the uh, the tomb of Jolly Old Saint Nick. So they thought that they needed a saint for themselves. Of course, you know <laughs> any any reputable port has its own saint. Sure. And a Barian clerk, in an account shortly after. Uh, The Theft wrote that three ships from Bari sailed into the harbor in the spring of 1087. There were 47 Barians, and they were all well-armed. They got off the ship and immediately tromped to the Church of St. Nicholas, where they politely asked to see the tomb. Um, the monks were a little suspicious sure. and wanted to know what they were up to. <laughs> Is
2: this some sort of weird tour? Or?
3: Yeah, it's the middle of the night. Uh, but rather than explain, the Barians just tied the monks up and smashed their way into the sarcophagus. Oh. Uh, there they found the skeletal remains of Santa Claus. Uh, submerged in that ooze, um, reports said that a heavenly perfume wa- wafted up from the bones. It was described in one account as, quote, licking at the venerable priests oh. as if in insatiable embrace. And, and so the bones of St. Nick quickly made their way to Bari. Now, the stealing of St. Saint Nick's, Saint Nick's bones uh, made the men who stole them and the thieves it, that were involved local heroes. They became famous in the area for stealing the bones of St. Nick. Mm. And for centuries after they died, their descendants would receive a percentage of all offerings that were given on the feast's day. For hundreds of years, their descendants got money because they stole the bones of St. Nicholas. Oh, okay. They even built a new basilica to hold the remains. And throughout the Middle Ages, thousands of pilgrims would visit. They even have an elaborate festival, a Feast of Translation, which celebrates the day that the stolen bones of St. Nicholas arrived in Bury. And one of the highlights of the festival, this is weird, um, is the rector will lean into St. Nicholas's sarcophagus and draw off some of the, uh, the liquid. That's in there in the tube because it's... The Santa juice. The Santa juice. Um, He puts it in a crystal vial and then mixes it with holy water and pours it into uh, decorated bottles that are sold in Bari's gift shops.
2: Okay. All right. It's
3: thought to be a curative drink.
2: Oh, no. They don't drink it. They drink it. Oh, no. Drinking
3: Santa juice. Stop
2: that.
3: Mm. So, Bari's been well known as the place for St. Nicholas's Bones. But the Venetians also claim that they have the bones of St. Nick. They say their own sailors visited Myra during the First first Crusade and stole Nicholas's remains, and uh, they'd been in Venice Ever since that time. So for centuries someone's
2: got fake bones.
3: <laughs> that's that's what we need to determine. Centuries, for centuries, both Bari and Venice have claimed to have the bones of St. Nicholas. In nineteen fifty-three, officials allowed a university professor to examine for the first time the remains of the tomb in Bari. It had been opened for the first time. In eight hundred years they hadn't opened wow. the tomb. The examination found the bones wet fragile, fragmented, with many of them missing. <laughs>
2: mm, that sounds like me after 2020, just kind of <laughs> like, oh, I'm he, fragmented.
3: He concluded that they belonged to a man who died in his 70s. But other than that, they could say little more. Forty years later, scientists studied the bones in Venice, and they found out that the bones in Venice and the bones in Bari came from the same skeleton. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
3: So their thought is the relics in Venice and the ones in Bari had come from the same skeleton. They theorized that the sailors from Venice had stolen what was left in Myra Mm. after the uh, Barians had done their initial raiding of the tomb. Apparently, they didn't get all of Santa's bones out. Mm. So for the original site in Myra, all that is left is an empty tomb, and they kind of want their bones back. Please, and thank you. Sure. <laughs> Back in 2009, Turkish government officials said it was considering a formal request for the return of St. Nicholas's remains. Um, the bones have very little religious significance in Turkey, uh, since 99% of the population is Muslim. Uh, But there's still a sense that stealing St. Nick's bones was a cultural violation.
2: Mm -hmm, Sure.
3: Plus, of course, it would make a really great tourist attraction. I guess a lot of people go to the original St. Nicholas's tomb in Turkey and are horribly disappointed when they find out that the tomb is empty.
2: But I'm sorry. Are you telling me that TripAdvisor hasn't been updated <laughs> since the Barians came and <laughs> stole his bones?
3: Well, it takes a while. Um, local officials tried to uh, to compensate by this. This is not a joke. They they decided that they would try to since they didn't have the bones of Saint Nick anymore, hmm. and they didn't want the tourists to be disappointed. They put a giant plastic lit Santa Claus outside the tomb. Hey. Nice. But I guess people weren't buying that. (laughs) So, so Santa, Santa remains scattered over the uh, Mediterranean area pretty much. Um, Now, Santa Claus, of course, is an international cultural icon these days, but the myth is rooted in the bones of a man who died 16 centuries ago. And uh, his remains are now scattered across Europe and the Middle
2: East. Wow.
3: Merry Christmas.
2: That is crazy interesting. Weird,
3: huh? I love the Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. That, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I love that part the best. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
2: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
3: Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer
1: and now that thing in the middle
3: it's not uncommon these days for children to write letters to santa this time of year but during the 1800s at christmas time santa wrote to the children instead of the other way around santa told kids what naughty things they needed to stop doing to guarantee they'd receive presents Santa even gave specific examples, like, Hey, you broke a vase. You stole a biscuit. You punched a street urchin in the face. This was to prove that Santa was watching at all times. Very Creepy Christmas. The Box of
0: Oddities.
1: At a frequency so high, only your dog can understand.
0: So turn to the nerds to answer your real world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality.
1: Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us, too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you.
2: You know, it's one of my favorite things to do as we are within the holiday season to explore some holidays from around the world ah, and yes. traditions from around the world that maybe we aren't familiar with. So here we go. Wales. One of the places that my ancestors are from. It's a place very close to my heart, very special to me. I want to go to Swansea very much. Anyway, um, there is a holiday tradition in Wales. And as the legend goes, during the holidays, the dead horse, Mary Lloyd, rises from the grave and goes door to door, challenging those who open the door to a rhyming battle of wits.
3: <laughs> Wait, a dead horse mm-hmm. comes to life yeah. and then challenge you to a rap battle.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
3: Oh, wow. Yep.
2: So uh, so what happens is uh, a group of celebrators, very similar to like the Skeklers that we talked about oh, a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so a group of celebrators will take around this heavily decorated horse skull, knock on doors, and when the door opens, the group will sing Mary Lloyd's Challenge, then start a punko, or a call-and-response rhyme battle. Basically, you would start a rhyme, the person inside has to respond with a rhyme, and it goes back and forth until someone fails.
3: Do the rhymes have to be a put down or a, an insult?
2: <laughs> no, they're not necessarily talking smack um, like on eight mile, uh, but because t-
3: that's what I picture a dead equestrian eight mile. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. Um, But there are some rhymes that we know about that you might sing to the dead horse. Wine comes in at the mouth and love comes in at the eye. That's all we shall know for truth before we grow old and die. I lift the glass to my mouth. I look at you and I sigh.
3: Wow. Yeah. Lay some fat beats behind that and... You got something.
2: Yeah, um, I, I I like it. Moving on though to uh, another traditional legendary holiday guy is <laughs> the Karankalos, which seems to be kind of a demon version of a Sasquatch. Ooh. Now. Versions of this fella can be found in Greece, Bulgaria, Turkey, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, and Cyprus. Now, the Greek term for this guy is kalakansaros, and that is speculated to come from the Greek kalos kantaros, which means beautiful centaur. Huh. Although a lot of people argue with that and say that it actually comes from the Turkish kara konjolos, which means werewolf or vampire, from kara, black, and konkolos, bloodsucker, werewolf. Oh my God. Nothing
3: in, says happy holidays like a bloodsucking werewolf.
2: In Greek mythology, they say that this monster saws the trunk of the world tree so that it will collapse along with the world. But during the final part of Christmas, this guy gets distracted and comes up to the surface. They forget about the tree and and they just want to bring trouble to all the mortals. Many Greeks Imagine this guy as being tall, hairy, with burning red eyes, goats or donkey ears, monkeys arms, huge tongues, um, which doesn't sound like a beautiful centaur, if you ask me. No,
3: I'm going with the Turkish translation on that one.
2: They also allegedly eat frogs and speak with a lisp.
3: These frogs, are delicious.
2: Ghosts and demons are all over the place during the 12 days of Christmas, and the Caroncalos joins the chaos. So he hangs out at night, waiting for an unsuspecting victim to wander by, a a lot of episodes of Criminal Minds that we've seen recently. (laughs) And then he jumps on their back and he demands a piggyback ride until dawn.
3: But he's like the size of a Sasquatch.
2: Yeah. Um, You
3: couldn't even carry him to the next corner. But. (laughs) Let alone all the way through the night into the early morning hours.
2: He also might lure people out of their homes by mimicking the voices of the people that they love, which (laughs) I think is straight up terrifying.
3: And then threaten them if he doesn't get a piggyback ride? That's
2: correct, yes. In Turkey, the version of this guy hangs out on street corners during the winter, waiting for someone to walk by, and then he asks them a question. And if the answer that they give doesn't include the word black, the karankolos will strike that person dead. In Albania, their version is called the kukuth, and they are kind of a gypsy undead corpse who goes around in january uh, with heavy chains all over his body killing people with their deadly breath
3: <laughs> there's no winning
2: so he's not so much into the trivia right. more of just a halitosis kind of situation <laughs> yeah.
3: okay yeah it's a festive yuletide sasquatch with halitosis
2: the bold bulgar- girl <laughs> The Bulgarian name of the demon is Karakonjul, and they are very human like, except they have a very hairy body, a tail, some horns, one eye sometimes, and sometimes they just stand on a single leg, or sometimes they have a horse head. Mm. So not as human-like as maybe originally I made it out to sound like. They could be shapeshifters, and that's the thing um, about this version is that it can appear in any number of ways. But the thing is, in Bulgaria, they don't just sit around and complain about their murderous, shape-shifting Yuletide monsters. They don costumes that uh, cover most of their body that are decorated with wooden masks of animals, and they wear large bells attached to their belts. And then they walk around in a parade, scaring the spirits away with their costumes and the sounds of their bells.
3: All right. Well, that sounds somewhat festive.
2: Yes, that I actually uh, have great interest in and would love to go see mm. the hairy frog eating horse head guy not so much mm. but this festival sounds neat so again he appears in a lot of different regions in a lot of different ways but overall it's pretty much the same idea moving right along to the alpine regions of southern germany and austria now we're talking about frau Percht. Frau Perchta shows up during the nights of the twelve days of Christmas, and traditionally she enforces the community rules and traditions, um, and/or rewards kind, hardworking folks and punishes the lazy. Frau Perchta uh, has this long history that's actually really interesting. Uh, she's also known as Bertha and has been called the spinstubenfrau. Frau. And so, okay, so the concept of Perchta and Bertha is that she is one and the same, but two different entities. So she appears in one light, and then her flip side, you know, because everything has a dark and a light side. She is Bertha, who represents fertility and all kinds of good stuff. And then Perchta, who is kind of the up. of that, not not so bright and cheery.
3: So kind of like the heat miser and the snow miser um, from a year without Santa Claus.
2: I I recognize those names, but I actually don't know what you're talking about. So
3: we're talking about a classic Rankin Bass production from the early seventies.
2: You're my favorite relic from the seventies. <laughs> Um, This actually has an interesting history in um, Christianity coming into play and when paganism was a more prevalent part of this region bertha was a goddess that a lot of women worshipped and as paganism was being pushed out and christianity was taking over they turned bertha into a dual goddess who would also punish you to try to make her scary so that people wouldn't worship her so much Ah. so uh Perchta uh, allegedly has a beaked nose made of iron and uh, she carries a cane and kind of resembles a decrepit old crone a la the beginning of Beauty and the Beast. You, you know what I'm getting at. Uh-huh. Now, she flies through the night sky, attended by an army of lost souls, including the demonic-looking perched den, her army of servants, and she's super judgmental. So she wants you to make sure you have all of your work done and that your house is way clean, uh-huh. and also you have to have porridge out for her. Now, if you don't have all of your flax spun by the 12th night, which is January 6th, Also Richard Gere Ladies who haven't finished their weaving Are punished There are stories in Germany, Austria And Switzerland of Frau Perchte Trampling and setting fire To half spun fibers She seems nice And if you've not left out her bowl of porridge Or if your home is unkempt She's also sometimes known as the belly slitter. So she has a knife hidden under her skirt and she'll cut open your stomach, disembowel you, and replace your innards with straw, pebbles, and trash.
3: <laughs> really? This is quite a tradition.
2: And then she'll stomp your unfinished work with her deformed goose feet.
3: <laughs> wow. Wow. Who came up with this shit?
2: Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Anyway, that's what I have about Parchta.
3: <laughs> all of those things are alarming, but you really ended on a low note there. Thank that you. Was, that was something else. So happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Um, we hope in all sincerity that your holidays are wonderful, have been wonderful, will be wonderful.
2: We're continuing with our holiday tradition of making Christmas Eve Big Macs and then locking ourselves in our home and not opening the door for two days.
3: I love that tradition. Yeah. It's far better than having the belly slitter come over and trample me with her goose feet. We'll see you next time, freaks.
2: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
3: And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And
1: so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. TheBoxOfOddities.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities, and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved.
2: Well, now that's not what I want to say.
1: <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> okay.